It's Thursday, July 4th, Independence Day. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Tanks, flyovers, and fireworks. President Trump is planning a 4th of July celebration that he says will be like no other. Trump will deliver a speech at the Lincoln Memorial, which is not a usual occurrence for an American president, and critics will be watching to see if he politicizes the event. My producer Miranda joins us for all the details you need to know. Next, along with all the fireworks, there will be plenty of grilling going on, and you should grill anything you want to your heart's content. But some top chefs have weighed in on foods you should never grill, and we got the list. Shockingly, burgers and some other grill staples made the list. It's all about preserving fat and flavor. Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News, joins us for the Do Not Grill list. Finally, the FDA has named 16 brands of dog food that have been linked to canine heart disease. The FDA isn't suggesting that pet owners stop feeding their dogs these brands just yet, but some vets are advising against grain-free foods. Rachel Feltman, science editor at Popular Science, joins us for what pet owners should know. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Public is welcome to come and celebrate our great country, the greatest democracy, but really just the birth of this country, the greatest democracy that ever lived. I'm not going to allow you to politicize it. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. Happy 4th of July, Miranda. Happy 4th of July, Oscar. We're going to be talking about what to expect later today as the president is throwing a 4th of July celebration that he is promising that will be like no other. It's going to be a salute to America. There's going to be tanks. There's going to be flyovers. There's going to be fireworks. Some of the big, he said, incredible flyovers and biggest ever fireworks. The president got inspired to do something like this after the annual Bastille Day Parade in France. They had a bunch of military stuff going on, and he's like, I want this same thing for us. A lot of people are drawing parallels to other authoritarian governments like North Korea or the Russians when they do military parades like this. This is going to be the first military-style parade since 1991. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a great thing. I think a lot of people that are going to be there on the floor are going to be super impressed by seeing a tank. How many people have ever seen a tank before up close and personal? So I think a lot of people are really going to be impressed by some of this. But there's a lot of issues at hand. It's going to cost a great deal of money. And everybody is always very conscious about that. People are worried about the president bringing politics into this whole thing. And there's some legitimate concerns there. But let's talk about what's going to be happening. So today, the U.S. Army tanks will be in the city. President Trump's going to deliver a 4th of July speech at the Lincoln Memorial. And that's unusual for an American president. They usually tend to stay back from these and enjoy them as a citizen and a spectator. They don't put themselves front and center. President Trump has extended an invitation to the Department of Defense leadership. They're going to attend these events alongside other service members and their families and leaders like the acting Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, General Joseph Dunford, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And then the White House also gave out 5,000 tickets to the Department of Defense just to give to people and their families to attend the event along with the RNC, just like the DNC would under a Democratic president. Yeah, that's one of the distinctions a lot of people are drawing, saying, well, the RNC is handing out tickets to big name donors. That's pretty common practice for anything like this. Mm -hmm. It really is going to center around what the president says in his speech. And we'll get to that in a minute. In 2018, the Pentagon had issued a memo recommending against the president's original plans to have tanks 
driving through the cities. I mean, it would just tear up the roads out there and a lot of historical streets. That plan was scrapped. And at that time, they put the military cost of this at $92 million. Wow. But they scrapped all that. They're being very secretive about how much this is all going to cost. But there's going to be flyovers and, and these tanks. So let's talk about what is actually going to be in the air for some of these flyovers. As far as the cost, we don't know how much everything's costing. But we do know that two and a half million was diverted from the Park Service to help offset some of this stuff. Normally for the Parks Department, they put in about two million dollars. So a little bit over there, but still the overall cost of what it's going to take to get this military stuff in there. We don't know yet from the Navy. We're going to get two Super Hornet F-18s and two F-35Cs. We're going to get four Apache helicopters from the Army, a B-2 bomber and two F-22 fighters from the Air Force. And the Coast Guard's going to provide an H-60 and an H-65 helicopter and another HC-134 aircraft. And about the tanks, photographers spotted at least two Marshall Abrams tanks and two Bradley fighting vehicles on flat cars. And that's how they're going to be displayed is on flatbeds so that they don't damage the roads. Yeah, those Abrams tanks are 60 tons each. They were shipped there on railroad freight cars just because, as you said, they don't want to damage anything, any of the roads out there. As far as the president's speech, no excerpts have been released because they want to keep it a surprise, but it can be expected to not be too political. He wants to speak to all Americans and focus on how, the things that the country is doing well. And that's where a lot of people are going to pay attention to. Kellyanne Conway, counselor to the president, was asked, well, what's going to happen in this speech? What's the overall theme? She said, thematically, it's going to be how wonderful the country is. Our troops, our military, our great democracy great call to patriotism. This is where it's going to get interesting. She said the great success of this administration in opening up so many jobs for individuals, mm -hmm. what we've done for veterans. There's no final form yet, but America's going to hear the whole speech. But that right there, what the administration has done for opening up jobs and what they've done for veterans, that could lead it to be political. Yeah. And that's a, an important distinction because if this becomes political in any way, then the campaign has to reimburse all the money. So there's a federal appropriations law prohibiting using public money for political purposes. So if President Trump says anything in his speech referring to any of the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls, and if he talks about any kind of polling related to the race, his reelection campaign may be required to reimburse U.S. Treasury for this event. The Word is that it was 36 hours before the event. His staffers were crafting what the speech was going to be. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the actual time, will the president read from the teleprompter? Will he go off the cuff? You never know. And you never know. And that's going to be really uh, tough. White House aides, I think the, the line of the night is that they're creating this whole thing from scratch. I don't know if anyone knows how it will go off. And I think that's totally true the first time we're doing this. Thing. Yeah. And they're worried about the weather. And I pulled it up on oh, right. AccuWeather and they're saying thunderstorms, some heavy all through the afternoon and the evening. The storms will be slow moving and bring heavy rain, not to mention 92 degrees with 70% humidity. It is the swamp. So Yuck. it's going to be kind of crazy, but it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm going to watch it. I, I'm, you know, I do hope for the best because it's going to be fun to see the flyovers and the tanks and everything. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. Happy 4th. You get what you deserve if you're buying skinless, boneless chicken breasts anyway. Everyone should be eating chicken with the skin on. Joining us now is Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News. Happy 4th of July. Thank you. Happy 4th of July. We're going to be talking about the... <laughs> 
do not grill list. You know, if 4th of July is here, everybody's going to be grilling. But there's a lot of chefs who have come to a consensus because there's more than one on a various variety of things that you should not be grilling. Chief among them, and this is one of those ones that, you know, I can see the reasoning and it is true, but I don't necessarily agree with it. One of the things that epitomizes summer more than anything is a nice grilled burger. And there's a lot of chefs who say you should never grill a burger. I feel like I'm the person that told the little kids that there's no Santa Claus at Christmas. Like, <laughs> right. here to crush your 4th of July dreams. But yeah, we found like not one, not two, but three chefs who say burgers should not be put on the grill. Of course, this is America and you get to do what you want and you should grill your burgers if you want. But there's better ways to cook them. And you made the good point there. The reason why people love grilling so much is because you can grill everything. I mean, it's just such an open platform. And when you're taking on smoke, you're taking on, uh, you know, if you're grilling with like wood and things like that, it can impart a lot of different flavors. But a lot of these things come down to you want to preserve the fat. And everybody's a fan of cooking on a cast iron pan. So with burgers specifically, that's one of the things Uh, you want to preserve the fats. And they say, put it on a griddle, put it on a plancha. The other thing about that, and you're exactly right, that like valuable fat and juices are dripping into the fire and it sizzles and it sounds good, but you're actually losing flavor and juiciness in your burger. And the other thing that's great about it, as you said, Oscar, is like when you have a griddle, you have a really great uniform crust on it. So if you're grilling, you get grill marks, but there's parts that you're missing. So if you want like really a great charred, even surface. You should use like something cast iron, a skillet, a griddle, a plancha. All those work really well. I'm not a professional chef, but I will fight (laughs) to the end to still grill a burger straight on the grill right there. Okay. So another one is peeled shrimp. Uh, Most times people would put them on on a skewer, cook them really quickly on both sides, but there's a lot of danger that comes with that only because shrimp cooks so fast. There's a lot to be said for this list, but this is one people really should pay attention to. Like how many people are going to stop grilling their burgers if they read this story? I don't really know. Right. But people really shouldn't. I mean, first of all, like if you take shrimp out of the shell and it makes for much more convenient, but you're really like shrimp are delicate. And so if you put them directly on a grill, they're going to burn. They're not going to cook well. Like you want them to be cooked through. So the Chef Ford Fry from Atlanta also said shrimps love butter. They love to take a butter bath. So the opposite of that is putting them on like a grill, you know, on like a grill with like high heat direct flames. that's going to scorch them and ruin this beautiful seafood that you spent money on. Skinless chicken breasts. I think when people tend to grill these, it's right at the end, you're going to slather a bunch of barbecue sauce all over it. But they say that uh, you shouldn't really be doing that because the texture can turn to rubber right away. My two cents is that you get what you deserve if you're buying skinless, boneless chicken breasts anyway. Everyone should be eating chicken (laughs) with the skin on. So much more flavor. It's worth like skip dessert, cut your corners somewhere else. But like a skinless, boneless chicken breast, do not eat. But if you're going to eat it, you should not put it on the grill because there's very little fat. There's no protection. It's dry to begin with. You're drying it out. It's going to be like a hockey puck, I would say. If you see someone grilling a skinless chicken breast, you should stop them. A lot of times when people are grilling chicken anyways, it's usually dark meat. It's usually been marinated already. So there's other mm-hmm. ways to do that. Sausages and thick cut <laughs> bacon. So, now, sausages. This is a good one. I, I know, I know the, the casings do tend to burst and, you know, some of it comes out a little bit. You know what? I kind of like that. I don't know. Uh, So sausages, I I will also say, go ahead and grill away. But 
bacon definitely I can I can attest to it's just so hard to cook on a grill it probably will start burning more before you really get a good cook on it well the thing about a sausage is if it's pre-cooked then you should absolutely grill it like it's great you know a pre-cooked sausage that you put on the grill is fantastic but if it's if it's an uncooked sausage if you buy like a good quality fresh sausage and you think you're going to grow it throw it on the grill it's it's sort of a disaster waiting to happen because it needs to cook all the way through. So if you have high heat, it's going to like sear on the outside. It's still going to be raw in the middle. There's the potential for fireworks if it bursts out of the casing. Oh, so a there's a lot that can go wrong with an uncooked sausage. But cooked sausage, if you have a raw sausage or an uncooked sausage, if you just poach it first, if you just cook it through the way you cook a hot dog on top of the stove and then throw it on your grill, you will be so happy. Top round and bottom round, they say don't go for these. Those are better oven roasted. I would say go with a nice tri-tip instead. Another one on this list is pineapples and peaches. I was just talking about (laughs) possibly grilling some watermelon or something just for like a fresh (laughs) element. I I don't know. And then I saw this thrown on there. Why shouldn't we be doing things like pineapples and peaches? It's just a lot of work. I mean, I think if you're willing to put the work in or if you have a dedicated fruit grill, if you get to live that life, you absolutely should grill your fruit because it can be really good, you know, like grilled pineapple. It caramelizes, but you have to make sure your grill is really clean first because otherwise it's going to pick up like funky meat flavors. Like you don't want to be eating peaches that taste like a pork chop, you know, or a veal chop. Like you don't, you have to start to clean it well after you've cooked it because likewise, like you might not want your steak to taste like a peach. That's not where you're usually going when you cook a steak on the grill. (laughs) And then the other thing is depending on the ripeness of the fruit, they can really disintegrate quickly, especially peaches, something like peaches, which when they're really good, they're juicy, they're tender, and they start, you know, they sort of melt in your mouth. That's not good news if you put it on the grill. Kate Crater, food editor at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Oscar, thanks so much. Happy 4th. Happy 4th of July. They were seeing higher rate of this particular kind of heart disease, dilated cardiomyopathy. And they were seeing it in breeds that they didn't usually see it in. Joining us now is Rachel Feltman, science editor at Popular Science. The FDA recently made a pretty scary announcement for pet owners. They said that grain-free food might be linked to a dangerous heart condition in dogs. Increasingly, a lot of dog foods have been going this way. Dog food manufacturers have been trying to give more healthy options, things like that. The FDA is just warning pet owners about this. They've even gone as far as to name 16 brands of dog food that might be associated with this heightened heart risk. And some of them are very popular brands. Blue Buffalo is in there. Neutro, the Rachel Ray's Nutrish is on there. These are all ones that get a lot of advertising. Let's start at the beginning. What kind of foods are they talking about when they say grain-free dog food? What is that? When we talk about grains in pet food, they've gotten a reputation for being filler and, and being something that our pets don't need or that can even make them sick. And it's true that some brands use so-called greens like potatoes, where those really are just useless filler. But the thing is that there are certain nutrients that dogs need that they can get from healthy grains. A lot of the times that is what is present in these kind of traditional 
dog food. What the FDA is focused on are any kind of like boutique dog food, which is kind of a funny phrase to use, but anything that's from outside of these major longstanding manufacturers. They're looking at things that are grain-free, freshly prepared dog food. You know, we're starting to see startups where people can get dog food in the mail. Really anything that is new and comes from a small company is what the FDA is is talking about here. Some of these foods are based with peas and lentils, as you said, potatoes. And the term that vets use for it is boutique, exotic ingredient, and grain-free. So BEG. So that's kind of a term that gets thrown around a lot, BEG foods. And as you were saying, you know, dogs need a certain amount of nutrition. There's very few dogs out there that have grain allergies. Gluten intolerance is really rare in dogs. There's only like one family of inbred Irish setters that is confirmed to have some of this stuff. So there is nothing to suggest that dogs can't have foods with traditional grains. So these are things that are small manufacturers, these boutique style foods. So the FDA hasn't said that you shouldn't stop feeding your dogs this just yet, but what's the correlation? How did this come to be? Why are they investigating these types of foods? It started with some anecdotal gathering of data from veterinarians who noticed and reported that they were seeing higher rate of this particular kind of heart disease, dilated cardiomyopathy, and they were seeing it in breeds that they didn't usually see it in. In purebreds, like in certain breeds like Great Danes and Doberman Pinschers, they have genetic links, you know, as many purebreds have genetic links to some condition or other. But that around the country, at least a few of them started noticing that bulldogs and labs were coming in with these heart problems. And they also noticed that a lot of those patients were on grain-free diets, which is why the FDA started investigating about a year ago. Now, the thing is, for now, it's just a correlation. We see a rise in grain-free food, and we see a rise in these heart problems in dogs that didn't used to have them. But it could just be that grain-free food is getting more popular while something else is causing these heart conditions to increase. It could be that people who are likely to choose grain-free food for their dogs are likely to choose other kinds of products or lifestyles for their dogs that are having an impact. So for now, there's a connection, but we don't know that it's a cause or even that it's actually contributing to it. But the takeaway is that unless your vet has diagnosed your dog with a gluten intolerance or a wheat sensitivity or allergy, which again is is pretty rare, then there's no reason for you to pick grain-free food and there may even be a risk. What should we be looking at when we buy dog food? There's a few different labels that we should be looking at, AAFCO compliant, I guess, uh, you know, they do animal feeding tests and they have like a lot of nutritional information on there. We should be looking for certain things like this to help decide which kind of dog food we're getting. A lot of people have started to associate over-processed dog food with being unhealthy. And, you know, it's true. There are probably lots of brands of dog food that are not great for your dog, but these large manufacturers have put in the kind of nutritional testing to know that dogs are receiving the balance of nutrients that they need. And especially if they've received those certifications you mentioned, then pet owners can feel confident that their pets are getting a balanced meal. 
And the issue with some of these newer brands and and newer options for dog food is just that the ingredients are often things that haven't traditionally been used in dog food. That might sound appealing to consumers because it looks more like the food they eat and that feels like a more luxurious thing to feed their dog but we don't know how well dogs thrive eating those things. There's also a thing called the Pet Nutrition Alliance. They have a manufacturer report where they ask the manufacturers key questions about their methods and if they employ full-time nutritionists. I mean, those are things you should be looking for. And a lot of times there's just a lot of shiny marketing going on with this stuff. And sometimes just the good, boring, conventional stuff might be best for your dog. Rachel Feltman, science editor at Popular Science. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.